Well, hello, Framework family and friends and people in the community and whoever may uh, happen to stumble upon this video today. Uh, my name is Parker Davis. I am one of the pastors at Framework Church, and I am joined on this beautiful Zoom meeting with the one and only Victoria Rowe. And so we have just started Advent in our church and many churches across the world, uh, and it is a tradition that we do. Well, it's a tradition, so we do it every year, uh, and it is one of great significance, but it's often not really fully unpacked each and every year. It's kind of something that we say, hey, it's week one of Advent, and we're going to start by lighting the hope candle, which is something in and of itself. And so, Victoria, can you give us a brief rundown of what Advent is? Yeah, absolutely. So at its simplest, Advent means the arrival of an important person, event, or uh, just a thing that happens in time. So in the Christian tradition, we celebrate that as the coming of Jesus in Bethlehem. Uh, and it was fascinating when I was kind of just reading through about Advent, there are actually three components that we remember and celebrate in this season. And I've only really ever known traditionally the one of Jesus coming uh, at Bethlehem, why we celebrate Christmas, uh, but it's fascinating. So that's one of them, Jesus coming at Bethlehem. The second component of this is uh, the gift that we have as believers anticipating the arrival of Jesus in our hearts every single day. Uh, and then the third component to this is the like remembering forward that Jesus came once uh, as a baby in a manger and Jesus is coming again to return for his church. And so that's Advent in a nutshell. I think uh, it's really important, especially in our day and age, we're so far removed from the biblical story that uh, I think it's really important to draw attention to what the biblical culture of the day would have been experiencing um, as they waited for these, this, this promise, this long-awaited uh, Messiah or Savior. Because um, it was no secret in Jewish culture, they had heard prophecies and messages from prophets of old hundreds of years before, like Isaiah and Ezekiel, even King David, like 600, before, 600 years before Jesus was ever born. Uh, in Psalm 23, King David prophesies and proclaims that God is going to send a Messiah or a Savior to res bring restoration and salvation to the world. Um, uh, and so in the day when Jesus was born, when he came into the world, uh, there was a culture that was waiting for a savior. Uh, it had been prophesied hundreds and hundreds of times that God would send someone to bring about liberation and freedom and salvation to Israel, God's chosen people. Yet in the cultural moment when Jesus was born, as he came into the world, Israel was under the rule and reign of the Roman Empire. So they were being oppressed by another kingdom, and they were longing for this Messiah, this Savior, to come and bring forth liberation and freedom from oppression. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we see an angel reach out to Joseph, who was Jesus' earthly father, and the angel says, 
look, the virgin will conceive of a child. She will give birth of a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, which is a reference to Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah 8, 8 and 10. Um, that God is going to leave the heavenly realms and come to earth to bring about salvation. And I think it's so interesting that when we look at the cultural moment biblically, it was in a time of great darkness and despair. And now here we are in 2020, and it seems as though people are in a great time of despair and darkness. Uh, and I think that's why, like just this past weekend, you were preaching on hope. And I think it's so important. And there is no greater message today than the message of hope in Jesus. Uh, you had a line in your sermon this weekend, whether you remember it or not. Uh, I remember you saying that it is in the person of Jesus that we realize where hope is found. But it's also remembering that Jesus is going to come again that we mm -hmm. have to live for the future. Like right. the best is yet to come, but it's right. also not in our circumstances. Right. Um, and Which I think is, sorry, increasingly like important to today because again, like everybody knows the narrative of society by and large is hopelessness, is despair. And I think when we are so saturated and it's unavoidable, right? Like the news is unavoidable, be it online, on TV, word of mouth. Like it's unavoidable that there's a lot of stuff happening that's not super favorable. But uh, it is fascinating to me when we really do anchor our hope, our peace, our love, and our joy in the person of Jesus. Um, those things don't seem to like it's not that we're unaffected because I think that we should be affected by things, but that doesn't sway my confidence, you know, like where my confidence is found, where my future is found, where all of these things are found. So it is an interesting uh, time that we find ourselves in. And I have found more than any other like Advent season. I resonate with the climate of the day when Jesus came because it does feel like politically supercharged really turbulent, a lot of conflict. Uh, I just, I've felt that very deeply already and we're only a week into Advent. Yeah, there's a, a significant weight to the world. Yeah. Both like nationally here in the United States, but also mm -hmm. even locally right here in our specific context, like in Aroostook County, Northern Maine, uh, there's just a weight, a heaviness, a burden to life um, yep. and it, it really is hard to explain like what it is but I think it goes to show that this world is not physical it's not uh, just what you can see and what you can touch that there is a greater reality mm. um, that there is a spiritual world and it's not two yep. separate things they're both interconnected uh, absolutely we can be so focused on our circumstances and so focused on what is happening to us, around us, even through us, whether we like it or not, uh, that we lose sight that there is a bigger picture of life in our world and, and things that are going on. And um, in the West, we pride pre predominantly 
don't really even consider spirituality as something that's real. Um, right. I, think, I think it was you and Pastor Jason, uh, we were talking a couple weeks ago about truth and lies and how uh, there is so much misinformation, distortion, distraction, um, really lies. There's just so many lies that are invading us as human beings, as a culture, as individuals, uh, and we need to seek out truth. Uh, right. I think, I think you were the one who said that truth is reality. That mm -hmm. is not so much your moral standard or your moral compass, but truth is reality. So what right. is real, what is factual is true. Uh, and that was, that's a, that's a perspective that I've never really heard before. And so that like really challenged me to think, okay, what's actually going on? Like what is actually true about life? And, and Jason had referenced when we seek out Jesus, mm. we find a actual perspective, something that is true, that right. encompasses the whole aspect of reality, both mm -hmm. physically in our world and spiritually, the things that are unseen. Um, and that's, I think, the thing about Advent that a lot of times we don't take into consideration, that when we're waiting for Emmanuel, for God to be with us, uh, we look at hope, peace, love, and joy as yeah. four separate things, four separate topics that can affect my life. But when we look at it through the compass of Jesus or through the lens of how Jesus would have viewed these, they're all connected. Oh yeah. Uh, you, you can't separate them. All stem from yeah. knowing Emmanuel, yeah. from understanding yeah. that God is with you. Uh, and I think that's why I've been so challenged by David's line of thinking in Psalm 23 verse six, that even though he walks through the valley of the shadow of death, he will fear no evil for God is with him. And then in the very next line, it says, he pre prepares a table in the midst of his enemies. So in the midst of hardship, in the midst of suffering and struggle, God is with us and prepares a table with us, a feast, not just a quick meal from McDonald's, so that you can get through the valley of the shadow of death, but like a sit down full course dinner that will fulfill you, sustain you and satisfy you. Um, which when mm -hmm. peace, which we're coming into week two of Advent and Pastor Bud is going to uh, be bringing a word on peace this coming weekend, which I'm very excited for uh, because I think there is no greater time to talk about peace than currently. Like we are longing for shalom. Mm -hmm. You said it this weekend. Uh, do you mind just explaining what biblical peace is? Like what is shalom? That's, that's oh. the peace. So yeah. What yeah, yeah, yeah. So like foundationally speaking, um, in the beginning, God existed. He already was, right? And he creates creation, creates humanity. And so we see shalom as this like unbroken fellowship god and man dwelling together in paradise completely at peace uh yeah like at its simplest that's it and the beautiful thing about this like shalom is that as we've talked about with advent god is coming back again mm -hmm. 
like Jesus will come again, as he said he would, to restore the unbroken fellowship between God and man. Mm-hmm. The, the picture of wholeness comes to my mind as, as you're describing that, that all will be whole, that what is broken will be made right. That is a very sobering thought because when I reflect on my own life, when I reflect on what's happening currently today in our culture and in our community right here in Rista County, um, brokenness is a word to describe it all. And I really do wish that we would see restoration and the things that are broken be made right. Mm. Um, yeah, it's interesting because it's hard for me like to fathom what a world without brokenness actually does look like. I like I have no doubt that it will exceed any expectations that I have, but it's so out of my worldview, your worldview, like our worldview because the human condition is broken. <laughs> we can have hope and peace and joy and love within that, but to recognize that there is coming a day where we don't have to live, we we won't have to live under this anymore because sin will be gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's a lot to like chew on, eh? Yeah. Yeah. The, like when John says in in the book of revelation, as uh, he kind of explains what it's kind of maybe going to look like when Jesus comes back to earth and how he's going to do away with death and destruction and sin and brokenness and weeping. Uh, He says, there will be no more tears. Like there will be no more sorrow. Uh, And I, that. What's better, what's better than that is it says God will wipe every tear from their eyes. So it's not like we just stop all the weeping, but like we have the comforter not just the Holy Spirit, but in this, oh, I could cry now, <laughs> like in this unbroken fellowship. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> like the joy that comes along with just thinking, there's, there is going to be no hardship and all that is broken and wrong with our world will be made right. Hallelujah. Like when, when you think of great expectation of what we are waiting for in Christ's return, the hope that we have in Jesus, that he is going to come again. Mm. Uh, it's not just, oh, I hope Jesus comes again so I can be lifted and elevated out of these circumstances. It's like, whole, it's like whoa, I do long for Jesus to come. Because all of the things that I see that are wrong with the world and society in the human condition is going to be made right. And then when I think of the whole reason Jesus came the first time, it kind of gets me amped up because I realize I've experienced the, the restoration and salvation that Jesus came to bring, that he yep. can forgive us of sins and re- of our sins and restore our relationship with, with God. And because I've experienced that, and there's great joy in that, I want people to know it. I want right. people to experience it as well. It's not something that uh, I want to keep to myself. Uh, and the more I see people 
invest and commit and devote their lives to Jesus and experience his restoration and salvation, all the more, all the more joy and anticipation I get for experiencing that in all of its fullness at the mm-hmm. end of the, the age when Jesus returns again. Yep. Um, yep. And the beautiful thing about the second coming of Christ, like Jesus came as a baby had his ministry on earth and was crucified and he did that for the redemption of humanity but this next time that he comes is like even upping the ante right because it's a redemption of all of creation like every single thing on earth was subjected to the curse read in genesis uh so what there will be a new heaven and a new earth for the old order of things has passed away but what does a whole redeemed rescued creation look like it's wild it's uh it's entertaining just to sit and ponder what it'll be yeah. like uh, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like i'm trying to fit all of the the major questions of the universe into my mind uh, and it's like trying to fit my body into a chip bag i can only understand so much but i can't understand it all right uh, so Advent is one remembering that God has left heaven and became a baby. He became a human being, dwelt and lived among us uh, for the redemption of our relationship with God. And he's going to come again and re- bring about restoration and the redemption of all creation. But what does that mean? And what should I, as a follower of Jesus, do with that? Like, how should that affect my day-to-day life? That's a massive question. And, like, also a very, very simple question. It's kind of a paradox. Like, I think that it motivates the hope that we have for the future. But how does it inform our present? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that at its simplest, Parker, I keep kind of just coming back to the Great Commission. Like, we are tasked with making disciples, with sharing Jesus, sharing what Jesus has done in us individually or in us corporately with those that we come in contact with. And scripture says to make the most of every opportunity. Um, so, in this season for me, I've just been really praying, like, Lord, uh, who are the people that you would have for me to be in contact with today that I can represent you to? Like, who's in need of hope today? Who's in need of your love? Who's in need of your peace? Who's in need of your joy? And how can I spread that? And that those things are something that naturally in the flesh, uh, Victoria is not super good at. Like, I tend to be a little more realist realistic like a realist uh which honestly makes me a bit of a pessimist at times uh so the only way that i'm able to really demonstrate these things effectively are when i am abiding and spending time with jesus um first thing pretty much like i i've really been trying to get in these habits and these rhythms of spending my mornings with the Lord. And that may sound cliche, but that's just what works for me. 
some people may find like an evening time kind of works, but yeah, it's better for me if I have spent time with the Lord before my feet hit the floor <laughs> for the good of everybody. Um, so that's like a real foundational kind of answer, but I'll spend that. Go ahead. To share what Jesus has shared, shared with us in, in the sense of his presence and in his presence, we experience salvation, restoration, mm -hmm. as you said, his love and his peace. Uh, you can't give what you haven't got. Right. And, That's a word. And one of the things that I'm starting to realize uh, is a lot of people don't know Jesus and don't know Jesus well enough to give Jesus or share Jesus with other people. Um, and it's, it's, in a way, it's really frustrating. Uh, as someone who, like, I get, to men I get the privilege of mentoring high school and middle school students to foster a relationship with God. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, I only believe that God is real and his presence is, uh, as Emmanuel states, is with us. That is, his presence is available to us and we can experience the reality of God each and every day. Uh, and so the privilege of teaching and, and mentoring students to foster that relationship on their own um, has given me insight to kind of just how people think. Uh, mm -hmm. Really, a lot of students that I encounter, they just don't care. So some of them, they've grown up in church for 16 years of their lives. Like all they know is a church background, but they have absolutely no desire to spend any time with God. Yeah. Uh, and some of them have absolutely no church background and because they have no church background and they're not aware of who God is and what God is able to do in their life, they don't care. They've absolutely no desire to be with God. Uh, and that, the simplest answer is because they just want to have fun. So many of them just want to experience fulfillment and satisfaction in life. And in my conversations with adults, I'm also starting to become aware of the fact that it's the same problem. It's the same yeah. issue. Most people want to experience safety, satisfaction, and some form of contentment. And when those are met, or we think we're experiencing those, we have absolutely no desire for more. Uh, and so mm. we're, it's almost like in our, our North American mindset, what we have in life, which is significantly more than most people in the entire world have, we have no need for God. Mm -hmm. So why would I spend time with God when my life is pretty great without him? It's, it's fascinating. You, you brought up Psalm 23, um, and it, in light of what you just said, I think that the, there's just a kind of an interesting um, correlation there, but not necessarily like a good thing. That's the thing. In the West, we have all that we need because we don't know what it means to be like in want by and large. But if Psalm 23 verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing or the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Mm. Like you can't fill something that's already full. Uh, 
any thoughts on that? Just initially tossing it to you? Well, my first thought comes back to our conversation with Jason about truth and lies. And I think what I just said, I think we are under the illusion mm. that we have all that we need. But if we were to strip away our physical life and our circumstances, I think most people would come to the realization that they actually have nothing of value. Um, and that's a really blunt and crass statement, but that's also really what has happened in my own life. Like personally, that is my experience of coming to know Jesus, uh, coming to the realization that what I have physically, even socially with relationships and people, take those away and my life as an as a 20 year old was nothing like if you strip away all that i invest my time in i would have no reason to live and the, the crazy thing is is what i invested my entire life in didn't actually bring about the satisfaction and fulfillment that i wanted but it's what i thought i needed to bring about the life that i wanted and it wasn't until I fully committed and fully devoted my life to Jesus that I realized, okay, if you strip all this away, as Psalm 23 says, I have all that I need. Yeah. Because God is with me. And that's not like, sometimes I feel like I personally over romanticize my relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. But I think that happens because of the level of intimacy that I have with mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And so if I could encourage people today, you only know Jesus by the amount of time you spend with Jesus. Right. And for so many people that would call themselves Christians, uh, they don't, if you were to ask them honestly, I don't know if they can say they really know Jesus because mm. there's enough data. I mean, look at uh, the Barna group and what David Kinnaman puts out for research yep. studies. There's enough data out there to indicate that there are so many followers of Jesus who never spend time with God. So how can you know who God is if you never spend time with God? And so right. to that original question, what should we do with the message of Advent that one, Jesus has come to be with us. He is with us today and he is going to come again. And there is a glorious future inheritance for those who put their faith and trust and hope in Jesus. Mm -hmm. If we really understood that at an experiential level, not just an intellectual level from reading scripture and hearing sermons, but at an experiential level of what Jesus has done, I think that would change the way we look at life. I also think it would give us great purpose to realize, whoa, this is what Jesus has done for me. And scripture tells me that it can happen to all people. Mm -hmm. Here's what is waiting for me at the end of the age when I am with Jesus, like physically with Jesus in the new heaven and new earth. Naturally, I think if we were to take a math equation, what Jesus has done plus what Jesus will do should mm. equal a desire to see that happen in me yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's good and it, it's interesting there's just this constant like 
issue I feel like of, well, I don't want to be, well, first of all, you can't be a Christian like by association, much like I couldn't be like a professional athlete just because I have all of the swag and watch all of the games. If I don't put the, like the work into practice, then I'm never going to be that. But there's this fine line between like legalism and doing things out of duty. And I used to, I used to be there, but then like at some point in time, I encountered the resurrected Jesus and who I am and like my sin, Mm -hmm. uh, seeing that in contrast to the holiness and the beauty of all that he is like earnestly caused me to celebrate the grace that he gave much more. And I think that's when I like fully actually fell in love with Jesus. I didn't want to just be associated with him. Um, And that has completely changed everything. Uh, And just because like, because we're pastors doesn't mean that we don't also have our moments um where the the fruit that we give off is not always good like i have seasons where it's harder for me to walk with the lord uh but i've found like being in community with people and being vulnerable with that community making the space for them to call me out making the space for the holy spirit to convict me uh it's just brought a whole lot of joy um, and fulfillment and it is a process like it's ongoing certainly but hail yeah and I'm reminded of what uh, the apostle John writes in his gospel uh, mm-hmm. John 1, when he talks about John the Baptist and really the whole reason John the Baptist lived mm-hmm. um, he says in verse six, he says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light, which in previous verses, uh, John clarifies that the light of the world is Jesus coming into the darkness of broken, brokenness, sin, uh, evil, and wickedness, that Jesus came mm-hmm. to the darkness. So uh, he sent John the Baptist to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony or his story or his message John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, so indicating that Jesus was at the very beginning, like you mentioned uh, a few moments ago, uh, as creator created all creation. Mm. Uh, but the world didn't even recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God, new life. Um, Oh, that's so good. Uh, and if I can story with you, uh, new life represents uh, people going from spiritual death to being spiritually alive. Um, 
kind of having the breath of God breathed into them as a living spiritual being. Um, in the church, we celebrate the new life that Jesus gives traditionally through baptism. And what baptism symbolizes, uh, it's a physical expression of a inner and spiritual uh, decision and re uh, revelation of who God is. And so baptism, when you go underwater, symbolizes you being buried to your sin, your brokenness, the wickedness that's in each and every human being that Jesus came to restore. So you're being buried in baptism, buried mm -hmm. death with Christ. But just as God, our Heavenly Father, raised Christ from the dead, he also raises us into the newness of life in Jesus. And last night at our youth ministry, we had a family who just last week adopted seven kids, all siblings, seven of them, four of them we baptized last night. So within a week, well, really within a couple months, but within a week, these kids got a new last name and they celebrated new life in Jesus. There is the story of adoption symbolizes the spiritual reality of going from orphan to son mm -hmm. and daughter in the family of God. That as we walk through the, or really jump in the waters and come out of the waters of baptism, we are a new person, as the Apostle Paul says. Uh, and to stand there and witness that last night, uh, as I, as I drove home, I realized that is what it's all about. Like, that's what, that's what the apostle, that's what John the Baptist was preaching about in the middle of the wilderness. That's what Paul teaches about in all of his letters. That's what Jesus came to do, was to bring new life and restoration. And as a follower of Jesus, uh, I was thinking on my drive home, that is my whole purpose as you said, the Great Commission is to show people who Jesus is and to mm -hmm. teach them what he is able to do in their life. Yeah, and it's so, absolutely. It's so exciting. Like, and <laughs> maybe, I don't know, I, like, because of my love for Jesus and because of what he's done, I don't want to keep that to myself. And it's something right. I've taught for like the last seven years as I've gone to church. Uh, and now as a 24 year old, um, I think I have progressed far enough in my understanding and experience of who God is that, that it, within the last couple of years, it's finally clicked. Mm -hmm. So in campaigns, like 10,000 testimonies in our church, uh, and pastor Jason and pastor Bud and pastor Rick and you talk all the time about sharing our story, telling people about the goodness of Jesus. And I hear these messages all the time. I'm like, yes, I want to do that because mm -hmm. I understand what it can do. And I have yes. experienced the joy, the love, the peace, and the hope that Jesus brings. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. People. Yep. When you were reading the passage from John Parker, I think that I kind of had a, just a thought what is our role then on this season of Advent? So living in the in-between mm -hmm. Jesus coming at Bethlehem and 
knowing that Jesus will come again soon? Like, shouldn't we too be, in a sense, acting as John the Baptist did, like heralding this message of hope, prepared the way of the coming king, um, and, and baptizing, like, that's it. And I think that that goes hand in hand. That is the Great Commission, ultimately. John was like, Great Commission 1.0. And then Jesus reiterated that before he went to heaven. So it's a fascinating thought and a fascinating and I think fairly accurate uh, perspective. And we celebrate like what God is doing in and through the youth ministry and like the baptisms and stuff that we've experienced in this season. Woo. So good. And the cool thing is like, I get to witness this and I get to participate in some fashion with them. Yeah. But I didn't do anything. Mm. Really? Like I didn't do anything. I just got to watch it. Like this is what God has done. Yeah. Uh, To encourage people today, as we're in this Advent season, maybe you're discouraged. And if you were to sum up how you have felt over the last really 11 months, despair, discouragement, even depression, angst, anger, might be some of the emotions that if you were honest with yourself, maybe that's what you felt. That's what, that's really been the tension that I've lived in for the last year is anger and discouragement uh, and aimlessness. Uh, So like what is purpose and what is the meaning of life? These are the things that I've personally struggled with for the last year. And maybe you just need to hear the good news that Jesus is the light of the world and he is God. He was there in the beginning. He'll be there at the very end, but he's also here right now today. And Pastor Bud is probably most likely going to elaborate on this more this weekend. But the peace of Christ that transcends all understanding, as Paul says in Philippians, is the reality that Emmanuel, God, is with us. I read this morning that Jesus's name, Jesus, uh, in Hebrew, was actually one of the most popular names in his day. Hmm. And it meant God saves. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Um, And so for the followers of Jesus who are watching this, God is with you. Do not fret. God is with you. But your purpose is to point people to the thing that can bring hope, joy, peace, and love in a time when all of our individual comforts a lot of our ideas and ideologies of what life is about are being challenged. We have the reality and the truth of life in the person of Jesus. Share that with people. However you think you can, it really doesn't matter. There's no silver bullet. Share Jesus. That's, that's like, it's as complex and as simplistic as I think somebody can make it sound. Yep. Um, but this Friday, we're challenging our church to write handwritten letters or notes to people. Uh, if you have the opportunity to go to work, write just a sticky note of encouragement and why you appreciate somebody. Spread kindness, spread love, spread, spread joy. 
to people. Um, maybe, maybe you work from home, send a mass email, like spend 15 minutes. Think about what is something that I could say to my entire office and then just hit send to all. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Jesus is so good. And I get frustrated because I personally don't understand why people don't want to share Jesus with others because I want people to know Jesus. Um, Mm. It's a joy that when you experience people come to know Jesus, you want more people to know Jesus. And I think that's like probably the thing that uh, your message challenged me with the most this past weekend uh, is because I can get so focused on people not knowing Jesus that I forget the whole mm. thing that I should be anchored in is Jesus, not cool. how many Christians are around, how many people I'm allowed to have in a service, how many people are allowed to come to youth group, whether or not the borders are open. Like you said, God is with us and God is all that we need. It's mm-hmm. good. Do you, want to, do you want to pray for us today? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Uh, Jesus, I'm thankful for, at, the, at its simplest, um, you. I'm, I'm grateful for this season, Lord, that we celebrate that you took on the very um, posture of a servant and humbled yourself before God and came down in the flesh, Emmanuel. Uh, in the manger, Lord, in Bethlehem. And we just, uh, we celebrate that today. And we, we remember the gift that your presence is and will continue to be. Uh, and Jesus, I ask that you would just be present among us today and that we would be aware and cognizant of your presence. Um, and Lord, help us to, help us to celebrate that and to, to, be resolute in our posture um, of hope because of who you are and of peace because of who you are and what you bring, Lord, and of joy because you embody joy and of love because you are love. Um, We want to be people who reflect Jesus. Mm. And Lord, help us to recognize that you are the greatest gift. that the world has ever seen. Uh, and Lord, we recognize as well that you are coming back. So help us to be eagerly anticipating that day, but give us grace for this season of in-between. Um, we just commit this to you in, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. It might be a little early to say that, but Merry Christmas. Nah. All. And uh, I hope today our conversation encouraged you. Uh, And please, if you are a follower of Jesus, reflect the light of the world that has brought about hope, peace, and joy and love to your own life, to others. We live in a season, a cultural moment, a time in history that is dark, and we need light that brings about life. Have a good one.